Hey y'all, welcome to Cross Politics on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Boy, do we got a show for you. Yes. We got Daniel Horowitz coming on from Conservative Review. He's a firecracker. Uh, <laughs> but before we but before we get there, um, if you guys haven't had a chance to listen to In the Bullpen on our network with uh, Mark Dewey, MLB Mark Dewey, uh, make sure you check out that episode and, and pray for him and his family. Um, his yeah. daughter, his 20-year-old daughter, passed away on Friday um, uh, following a car a- accident outside yeah. of Billings, Montana. Her husband and seven-month-old daughter survived. Um, so, But be in prayer. I mean, they're handling it really well. Um, they're um, just encouraged to know that their daughter is with, with their Lord, with her, her Lord and Savior. And um, so, But just be in prayer for them. Yeah, it's, it's a really... Really, it's a really sad, hard, hard, yeah. hard thing, and uh, and he brings it up on his most recent uh, show. Wow, um, are you ready for the call? So if you don't have the app, download the app, uh, listen to in the bullpen. All the episodes are fantastic, but um, particularly but this one is really most good. Most recent ones, it's 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 gut wrenching, yeah. and uh, I can't I can't believe he did that. <laughs> I know, yeah. uh, but so be be praying for them. Be praying for the Dewey family, the whole uh, Dewey family. Um, with us on the line right now, we have Mr. Daniel Horowitz, senior editor at Conservative Review. You may also know him from his daily podcast, Conservative mm-hmm. Review at the Blaze. He is also the author of Stolen Sovereignty, How to Stop oh. Unelected Judges from Transforming America. What'd you call that? Stolen Sovereignty? Stolen Sovereignty. Get out of here. Daniel, thanks so much for joining us on Cross Politic. Hey, great to be with you guys. Stolen sovereignty, indeed. That is the word of the day. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so, uh, so back up just a little bit, and um, I mean, things. I mean, twenty twenty has been insane. It's not uh, over yet, and and this we're starting. And we just got into June, but um, so go back late January, early February. We start hearing rumors that there's this coronavirus thing from bats in China. Um, what happened? <laughs> Sure. So what happened was what government should do, they didn't do, and what they should never have ever done, they did, Mm. which is really the order of the day that when it comes to politics, government does everything it shouldn't do, and uh, it doesn't do the few things it's supposed to do very well Mm. um, because we don't understand what fundamental rights are. We don't understand what the fundamental powers of government are. I just want to back this up even a step further and come to the here and now before we get back. And this is to juxtapose the two major crises, the anarchy and the tyranny, worst mixture of anarchy and tyranny. You know, we've become like China. This virus started in China, but it turned America into China, albeit not fully. You see, in China, at least as they're taking away everyone's rights, they are pretty tough on crime. Uh, Mm. They're not going to allow you to maim, kill, murder. They don't talk about criminal justice reform, um, (laughs) whereas here – you know, you are sent to jail if you open a business. But if you burn the business, not only are you exempted from any law, but the truth is even the exalted, um, mystical, social distancing cult, um, you are uh, exempted from that as well. You could have uh, a thousand people in a church burning it down as long as you don't pray in it, oh. according to uh, John Roberts of the Supreme Court. So I think the importance is to juxtapose because – Part of the problem is life moves so quickly this, this year between technology and the circumstances of what's going on. What, what, what is happening is that you have a year's worth of news cycle in one or two days at a, at a time. Yeah. And it creates political amnesia from week to week, from even day to day. <clears throat> and we get used to things like frogs in a boiling water. And we don't 
put things together. Mm-hmm. And I think from a, from a very 30,000-foot view, it's important to, to see that the evil of the anarchy and the tyranny, the perversion of government, what they do and what they don't do, they clamp, they clamp the heck down on you um, for you know, trying to push back against really lawless, unconstitutional edicts against statute. But then, you know, laws like don't kill, don't torture, drag people out of their cars and beat them, um, you know, destroy businesses. You know, no one's being indicted for that. Um, That is the challenge of our time. That's what we're being confronted with in our government today. I want to give it first a theological and philosophical view before we get into the practicalities and the science of the virus. Um, At the end of uh, Samuel, you know, last chapter, Samuel 2, so King David is confronted with a choice from God, um, sent him by the prophet, uh, you've sinned and you're going to get punished, and you have a choice between enemies taken over, um, death by the sword, famine, or three days worth of plague. And David said, very interestingly enough, I would rather fall in the hands of God because his mercy is great and not fall into the hands of man. Mm-hmm. That's just paraphrasing there sure. from the closing lines in the book of Samuel. It's very profound because ultimately we know everything obviously does come from God, mm-hmm. but there is something about a, a plague that is even more directly from God as opposed to an invasion, riots, chaos that are more Mm man-made. And I think when you take that into account, we took the plague, and in our hubris as a society, as a government, we had the notion for the first time in the history of plagues that it was 100% in our hands to deal with it and mitigate it, that to the extent that we do stuff, it stops it. To the extent we don't do stuff, it doesn't stop it, which we're going to see the opposite is true. And then when it comes to the sword, riding, the core job of government, the core man-made, the paradigm of a man-made plague, <laughs> for which it is the core job of local, state, and federal government to protect our life, liberty, property, freedom of movement. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, there's nothing mm. we can do. Suddenly, you, you literally have rioters now setting up checkpoints. Like, mm. you know, you see checkpoints like Shiite militias in, in Iraq and these <laughs> yep, type of places. Yep, you right. on, forget about the roads. You had, I just wrote an article on this a couple of moments ago, I-35 interstates yep. out of Minneapolis, I-2244 out of Tulsa. Yep. Interstate highways, they come, and rather than the police immediately dispersing them, they put out barricades to accommodate it, and then people that got roped in before they got a chance to barricade it of no fault of their own are confronted with the choice of you're either forced to run them over because they won't get out of the way, or they'll beat you out of your car, whatever you do or don't do. Yep. I mean, this is this is Sodom and Gomorrah upside down. <laughs> so I think I just wanted to give you guys that perspective yeah. first, so you juxtapose what you see, because rights are very finite and they're very specific. And when you don't apply the real rights, or con- conversely, when you add on to those rights and create BS rights mm. for certain people— then you wind up infringing upon the rights of everyone. Right. And it's the first lesson, one of the first lessons of the Bible, with uh, um, Eve adding on to the commandment of God 
not only not to eat the tree, but to that you can't touch it. Mm-hmm. Well, that got her tripped up when you add on, you subtract. Yeah. And the snake was like, hey, well, you know, you didn't die from from touching it, so you can go and eat it as well. One of the first lessons we always learn, and that's what it is. So there is now a right to immigrate. There's a right to loot. There's, I mean, criminals get endless access. They, there's a right to be released from coronavirus, that's right. from jail. There's a right for illegal aliens to be released but not repatriated to their country. We just had a case yesterday in the Supreme Court. All but Alito and Thomas ruled, um, just ignored a statute from Congress denying criminal aliens in a certain circumstance the ability to um, get standing in court to militate against their uh, removal. Um, and on a whim, they are like, yeah, they, they, they have a right, even though statutes is the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um you know, good job, Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, and Roberts, Republican judges for you. Uh, but then the, the same John Roberts just last week, um, there's no First Amendment. There's no right to assemble. There's no right to um, pray. Right. There's no right to stay in locomotion and be free to, free to move. There's no bodily integrity. You know, there's um, a right to privacy to kill your baby, Griswold and, and Roe, but uh, no right to privacy um, to not put a, a oxygen restricting mask on your face. So again, <laughs> see, you don't even need to hear the science anymore because you understand where this is coming from and where it's headed. And this is why people like us who do politics for a living were able to get it right where so many scientists missed the boat because they took seriously something that was inherently not serious and inherently wasn't about science. It was about politics. Yeah. So the way I took this serious was when I started to realize that everything the left ever wanted to accomplish, even if they conflicted with each other, seemed to be the solution to COVID. So I've been <laughs> right. fighting this battle for seven years, seven years of <laughs> releasing, you know, this de-incarceration agenda, right. releasing people from prison. I've been fighting that for seven years. Mm-hmm. Suddenly we have COVID, and like, we need to release the criminals. And I said, <laughs> Man, you know, dude, they, they got this, you know, a restriction on civil liberties, check. Criminal liberties, um, you know, expanding, check. Endless welfare, dependency, and debt, check. You know, everything they ever wanted to do, they got. And somehow that was the solution. Now, you look at the virus. What's interesting is you look at January, you look at February, you look up until Fauci's own statements until mid-March. Right, yep. They went with the science of virology, epidemiology, microbiology since the founding of creation. And that was when you have a contagious respiratory infection, there is not much you can do to mitigate it once you let it in your country mm-hmm. in earnest. Um, it is it, 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 it tends to kill people that are going to die within a year. And that's why every year, I mean, you look at, at excess deaths every single year. You go to CDC's website, you see boop, 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 like this. The winter months, it goes up. Yep. Often the angel of death, what we call someone dying of old age, natural causes, angel of death, it, scientifically it's manifest through the flu pneumonia season. That, that is very, very common, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's straight up there. This is one particular harsh version of it. Um, we knew it was very serious to people that were not just elderly, as we learned, because right. most of those didn't die. It was only those in nursing homes, and even most of those were in hospice mm-hmm. care. It's a very important distinction. Um, people with specific um, pulmonary, cardiovascular conditions, diabetes, outside of that, it was no worse than at least a bad flu season 
for general adults, and it was much, much less for than the flu for, for children under 18, yeah. which is why there was no justification ever to close the schools. We always knew this. We knew this from the Diamond Princess ship, which was a contained, confined, and defined right. mm-hmm. full natural case study universe. Um, it, it was fully understood that way. There's things we've learned since then that just buttress these points and make them even stronger. But that's what we knew. That's what Fauci believed. That's what Burks believed. That's what every epidemiologist believed at the time. That's what every infectious disease doctor did at the time. So, so Daniel, again, gonna, what, yeah. what happened then? So, I mean, if, if you if you say they were following the science of epi- epidemiology and you know the science from creation, uh, but you said but you said then suddenly something s- yeah. switched. What was yeah. it? What happened? So, so uh, before I answer that, just one more thing. What we should – I started off by saying we didn't do what we should have done. Yeah. Less, you, you know me from almost seeming to downplay the severity, downplay mitigation. That's what you, you, you've seen dozens of my articles, podcasts, things like that. Mm-hmm. But what you probably don't know and it probably didn't follow me was I was one of the earliest people. I had a podcast in mid-January, not March, mid-January, focused on coronavirus, not on impeachment. And mm-hmm. – um, yeah. <laughs> I, I worked with Senators Hawley and Cotton to get a letter to the State Department calling for a shutoff. And mm. because that is something you can do. And you look at the countries that shut off early, like Iceland, Taiwan, and Israel, um, they had a very good result because that's the one thing you can prevent. Um, realistically, you're not going to, in, in today's technology, today's transportation, you're going to keep it all out. Right. Of it. But how many cases you bring in, that really is going to. You know, those are the horses leaving the barn. Yeah. And, you know, we did not do it. We went another couple weeks. Even when Trump did the shutoff, it turns out there were 55,000 more who were brought in February and March. It was never completely shut off. They weren't really checked properly. New York Times had a whole article on that. So we, we brought it in in earnest. Um, so what happened was, and I'm going to weave in spiritual um, things together with the science because you, you cannot explain something like this without spirituality. Every lie latches onto a truth. I mean, that's the work of Satan, and this was right. the work of Satan. Yeah. Um, if you didn't have Lombardi in New York City, this could never have even gotten off the ground. What happened in, in March was the amalgamation of several things. It was the confusion and chaos from the media images from Lombardi. Then it kind of started to happen in New York City in conjunction with that Imperial College of London study right. yep. that said 2.2 million people are going to die in America in a commensurate amount in all the Western countries right. and at certain benchmarks of hospitalizations, there would be 60,000 hospitalizations in, um, in uh, New York City when it never, even at the worst point, and even though they had like exponentially worse than anyone else, never reached more than 14,000. So that's when the wheels churned and they realized they, they panicked And they threw out, rather than realizing that there was some sort of nuance, it was the virus was fundamentally what you thought it was with some sort of nuance of something with a perfect amalgamation of super spreading events with reloading of the gun and panicking too many people coming to the hospital that didn't need to come and then self-fulfilling getting it. Too many people put on ventilators. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of, there's a lot of, there doesn't appear to be any one factor um, now we know that the nursing home thing was was eight hundred pound gorilla in the room, and I, I want to get back to that in a minute. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you take New York and New York out of the equation, so let me. You could skin this cat in two different ways, and I'll I'll parse it both ways. Please. One is that 
the 44 counties within 100 miles of New York City account for, I believe, 56% of all nationwide deaths. The other mm-hmm. one is that the six states that have known to have done the nursing home genocide, meaning yep. they took COVID-positive patients and placed them in nursing homes. Right. Um, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Washington, Connecticut, was, was Washington and Michigan. Okay. And Michigan. Those six states account for, compose 18% of the population pie, 64% of the COVID deaths. So if you take that out of the equation, and again, you could go to CDC's website, Google excess deaths. So what they'll show you kind of the baseline chart, maybe going back to 2015, and you'll see. Um, you know, you see the typical jumps in the spring and mm-hmm. in, in the in the winter for the flu. Then you'll see the 2018 flu season, January 2018, with skyrocketed. Yeah. Now you say, well, what's January 2018? Well, that's the point. What you don't know can't hurt you. What the media doesn't tell you evidently doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> in most states outside of that realm, New York City, big, big bump. But most states, either it was slightly worse than the 2018 flu season, about the same or like in Florida and Texas's case per capita, Less. the bump the bump you'll see is actually lower than the above baseline bump wow. of the twenty eighteen yep, flu. That's wow. right. And that, that, that is just a, that is just a fact. So what I think we, we said at the time that you're reading it wrong. You're reading it wrong. This New York is not going to come to everywhere else. Even in New York, you're not fully understanding what happened. Really, our contention was a couple of premises all along. And each one has been proven true. Number one, to begin with, this is much less deadly and much more heterogeneous in what who it targets that you can much more efficiently target your quarantine yep. than you think. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two, this has started much earlier and has spread much wider than you think. Yep. Implication being, we were going so long doing nothing. It was running its course anyway. Yep. And the horses already left the barn. And the lives that were lost was baked irrespective of what you did. Number three, we learned that despite the fact that it seems to really like run up for the first 10% cut through the population, it seemed to hit a brick wall. Mm -hmm. And we said there's some sort of cross immunity there. Then that is almost a scientific law now. We just don't know to what what degree. We could talk about that perhaps if we have time. Everything we have proven basically paints the picture that fundamentally what not just I knew, but what Fauci and everyone else knew for the first two months wound up being true with a curveball thrown by um, by the the Satan. And even then, I'll just tell you, if you study it, yesterday it was being passed around a major serology test from New York City. Finally did New York City. So again, l- l- let's just be clear. They'll try to say, well, it's still bad. But let's face it, a 0.2 case fatality rate or infection fatality rate would never have justified it. Right. What That's they right. were basing it off of was the World Health Organization said 3.4%. And what they were seeing in Lombardia and New York City, if you took the known cases that they yeah. saw confirmed, which is obviously confirmation bias of the very sick, right. and you look at um, the deaths, it was like 8 9%. Right. And, and that scared the hell out of people. But, but we already knew we, from all the other countries, we knew from the Diamond Princess, we knew from the prisons. ICE detention facilities, you know, other naval, the USS Theodore Roosevelt, there was yeah. another cruise ship in, in Argentina, that we saw the same point. We saw basically that in a given area, 
almost everyone's going to wind up getting it. And when I say get it, meaning either they're going to get it or it's going to ping them, but they have some sort of inherent cross immunity from other coronaviruses or their T, they're called T4, T8 cells of inherent immunity, not the antibodies, will ward it off without producing antibodies, which might explain how maybe it's kind of semantics, but there's some people who, who they're immune fully so they can't test positive. Right. There's some people they might test positive, but they're asymptomatic. And we said, and we said, look, you're just seeing the tip of the iceberg, which is deadly, but it's the only deadly component. Right. There's a much larger iceberg that right. is, you know, you look in the prisons. We saw very early on in February, in in, in March, uh, late March, maybe early April, 95 percent being asymptomatic, even though 50 percent, 60, 70 percent in some places wound up getting it. And we said, look. It's very viral, very contagious, few, relatively few deaths. Almost all those deaths are people that that are unfortunately already quarantined, so to speak. They're, they're yeah. not. I mean, they're certainly out of the workforce and mainly in nursing homes, mainly people that are going to die within the year. We're pro-life, not to say we shouldn't do everything we can to protect them. And as we're going to see, just the opposite. They are the ones who murder them and right. then use that as a justification to lock down everyone else. But that is our point. It was a very different scope. And I want to just throw in a couple of spiritual things again. In God's wrath, and this was a plague, this was a you know, punishment from God, we don't know why, but it's something we have to look inwards, all of us. It was, God always has a degree of mercy with his punishment. And, and the thing is, notice there's never anything that has any Ebola degree of fatality rate, but is is as infectious as a respiratory virus, mm-hmm. yeah. right? It's it, and, and I've had doctors explain it, it's almost inversely. It's almost like a natural selection evolutionary theory, but I mean, this is microevolutionary, which actually proves God's genius, right? That he programs, you know, every living organism with a certain way of surviving, and the way a virus survives innately is if, if it wants to be more widespread, it has to be less deadly so it doesn't burn out in yep. those people quickly, which is why you see um, SARS. SARS appeared to have 8 10% fatality rate. MERS had a 35% fatality rate. Uh, Ebola has, at least in Congo, 50. 60% fatality yeah. rate. Yeah. Maybe in America it would be a little bit less, but but it, it's not nearly as contagious. Um something like this, it didn't make sense that it would have had an 8-10% fatality rate with that many people. And right. now we know, um, you know, CDC, Stanford called it early on. They made, made fun of them. Right. It was yep. 0.2. Um, but John CDC Hopkins. honed in on 0.26. And just yesterday I put out an article, Colorado. See, one of the criticisms was the sample size is too small. Right. Okay. Colorado did 60,000 in a small state. Not nationwide, state of Colorado. That's huge. Right. It's an it's a they update it every day. It's an ongoing thing. Point two five, right on the money of where CDC was nationally, where Stanford was, where uh, Miami Dade County, um, L.A. County, right. uh, so many international ones, Denmark, Netherlands. Um, but 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 that doesn't even tell the story. Point two is way off. Yep. See. Now that we got the full denominator of who we think got it, and by the way, we don't have the full denominator because it's even bigger than we think because these That's are just right. antibodies. Right. We've now proven that 30 to 50% who got it, the T cells warded off and they don't produce antibodies. Singapore just produced a study like that. Um, China had one. 
Um, the Europeans uh, have plenty of data. And by the way, just so you know, from day one, Oxford said between 0.1 and 0.36. Right. You know, how many of you have heard of Oxford? Yeah, we saw it. But, we, we but, did. Yeah. This, yeah. Yeah. How many of you have before this have heard of Imperial College? Right. Yeah, everybody. 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 <laughs> I mean, I, I certainly never heard of the place before yeah. two months ago. But anyway, I just wanted to point that out. It's not like people didn't call this. Right. These are not right-wing blog sites or something. I mean, this was Stanford. This was, uh, you know, you had studies from Carnegie Mellon and MIT. Um, people that really called BS on this very early on, they didn't listen. You could, you know, um, so anyway... Um, well, Daniel, let me let me ask you this. Um, uh, I'm really having a hard time trying to understand what you actually think about all this. Um, if, you were, if, if you were if you were president um, through all this, you know, it seemed like Trump kind of got put in a corner in all this because all the states kind of shut down, and then Trump just said, "Well, hey, I'll just adopt the narrative and say, hey, I just saved two million lives, which is what he's done." So, in the beginning of all this. In the, in the beginning of all this, he was kind of pushing back. And then, like you said, around March, he basically started adopting the narrative. And I can't remember. I mean, basically every press release for like the last three weeks, he's been saying, I just saved two million lives. How would you be handling this as president as all the governors shut everything down against science? Uh, yeah, I, I love it. The presidential election is the most important in our lifetime. We're all going to die. Oh, suddenly the president doesn't have any power. BS. Okay. A couple of things here. <laughs> First of all, th th this is emblematic of the Trump presidency. Uh, um, he does Jeb Bush bigly. Like, he does Jeb Bush in a high-energy way. So when he capitulates, he does it bigly. What he does is he holds the football out. Hey, left. I'm going to throw. I'm Tom Brady. I'm going to crush you. So they blitz him as if he's Tom Brady. Yeah. And then he doesn't make the play, and we wind up worse off than we were even under a, a flaccid Republican. He, he does this on every issue. The problem is Ouch. his instincts are right. He... he I think he wants to do the right thing. He doesn't have the intellectual firepower to push back against it. But some of that's his fault. I mean, we didn't ask him to put Jared in charge of everything. Jared's the chief epidemiologist, the chief criminologist. He's the chief uh, immigration expert. There's nothing this guy doesn't know. Um, that's I mean, look, hilarious. You know, Ronald Reagan had liberal children, and and that and but you know he didn't put them in government. Yeah. So I mean that that's one thing. I'm Ooh. glad Tucker Carlson called him out for that last night. Yeah. It, it, someone needed to do it. Um, but you know I understand you. You get scared for a couple days. You want some clarity. But, we, I mean, you, you read my articles from Steve Dace, from tons of us who were doing it. was clear. Week one, week two, week three, it wouldn't stop. That's number one. Number two, there's something you're forgetting. There's something you're forgetting. Governors have no power except for one thing that was fueled by the federal government. You see, they don't have a printing press. You see, they can't legitimize fuel fund and subsidize a lockdown yeah right away we had a fight yeah. we had a legislative fight democrats passed a bill and then a series of bills that legitimized and codified the premise of our reaction yeah and did it in the long term to fund people not to work to subsidize governors on the cheap to virtue signal and then not have to pay for it yeah and not have to have a yep. more of a precise decision. I made this case at the time. We all made it at the time. Yep. Thomas Massey made it at the time. Right. Trump has something called a veto pen. Yeah. I'm sick of hearing the excuses. Oh, Nancy Pelosi. She's one piece of the equation. Republicans had control of the Senate, and he had a veto pen. Yeah. That is tremendous leverage. He could have leveraged conditions on liberty. He could have leveraged conditions on what you could do with the funding. He could have put time constraints in it. He 
He certainly, certainly should have taken out that unemployment provision, which is killing yeah. us to this day. Yeah. So I agree with you. I agree with you here. But and all instead, the people. Instead, he went and savaged in a personal phone call. And I know about it, by the way, Thomas Massey. Yeah. He yeah. savaged the people that stood on the ground that he promised. Yeah. So, you know, I know I'm going to offend some of your viewers, but I, I've had it. Yeah. You know, I'm saying at some point he needs tough love from his supporters. Yeah, to get real. him back to, frankly, intuitively where he really is. Yeah. But, you know, and, and now he's flipped back to our position, you know, after a couple of rounds of going back and forth. But, you know. So, Daniel, Daniel, I, I agree with you in all yeah. this, but, like, the population, the mass, believed that the COVID was a problem. The population no, was. It, it was self-fulfilling. It was only because the governors right. acted like that. The biggest reason why people thought it was a threat to kids is because they closed the schools. Yeah. If Trump would have conditioned the funding, states would have been forced to make better decisions. Mm. There was nothing for them to lose. They get to virtue signal on they the They had sheet. something to fall back on. I mean, on. that's yeah. what it was. I mean, you, I'm just telling but, you, yeah. I, I, we didn't argue against the first week. Yeah. But it became clear afterwards, and he could have used his voice to push this stuff, which is slam dunk data. Instead, he had Burks and Fauci out there. Yeah. legitimizing the other data or or because he wouldn't take yes for an answer so like we have this national debate over what helps you see abc just did an analysis 20 states that opened earlier they had a better result georgia um Florida. brian kemp was engaging in human sacrifice they had a sharper drop than anyone else and it's true of the <laughs> netherlands Denmark, all the yeah. 14 countries rather than taking yes for an answer yeah. trump's like yeah kemp shouldn't have done that yes sweden was stupid yeah. Like, I mean, this is the problem with him. It's like sometimes like, dude, is the guy on fentanyl or something? <laughs> I mean, like there's one thing if you don't have the guts to lead the fight, but then you go and dump on your supporters gratuitously when the facts are now proving them right. I mean, this is part of the problem. Right. I, I had someone in the White House tell me, I said, please tell me that they see what I see. They see the data. So what happened was this was a couple of weeks ago when the nursing home thing became very clear. Right. I was like, wait a minute. The nursing homes aren't just a big factor. Almost all of the new deaths in every state in May, because, you know, after April, after the peak, were in nursing homes. I said, wait a minute, there's something funny going on here. And I was like, the White House has to know about this. I called up. A friend of mine is there. And he's like, you would cry if you saw the data they were working with. Uh, they know nothing. I mean, it's very sad. And this is how the serious? governor just ate his lunch. I mean, it's a personnel <sighs> problem. And this is true. Look, we saw this with the riots. Um where Jared and Brooke Rollins, that never saw a criminal they didn't love, you know, convinced <laughs> Trump to stand down against his intuition. And, you that's know, not, finally Tucker good. and a group of us yesterday were really very vocal, and it worked. Yeah. And, and the lesson is, rather than taking stupid things Trump does, which often he doesn't even want to do, right. and being, yes, Mr. Trump, <laughs> yes, no, get in his face, and he'll listen to you. Yeah. Like, it, it's just dumb. I mean— this worship from some of our base, it's not helping him. It's, it's not helping him right. get reelected. Um, hey, Daniel, let me ask you a question real quick before you before you head off because uh, or before you have a conniption. I don't know what's going to happen here first. <laughs> um, before, but before we end the second, I really want to ask the you. I, will, version, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want the full caffeine version. Yeah. All right, I really want to ask you with what we've been seeing happening over since January and, and everything that's going on. What kind of America are we headed to right now? Mm, the new, I, I, the new America. So, so, so yeah, no, so the America we have is, and this is very important, you see it in the court system, you see it in the justice system. Yeah. Um, we, unalienable rights have been replaced by protected classes and racial grievance. So, in other words, 
if you are, you don't have a right to uh, open up your business, your property, you don't have the right to um, locomotion, to remain in movement, free, unrestricted movement, um, without being restricted as Blackstone defined individual liberty. Um, you have no right to free worship. Um, but there is a right to loot. There is a right to rob. Mm. You will be arrested for not having a mask on your face, but and you will be arrested for opening a barber shop. But if you loot the barber shop, not only are you not arrested, but you're now released from prison because we don't want you to get COVID. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not. You, you know, they they That's released real. sixty, yes. and this is old data. This is a few yeah. weeks ago. They released sixty-seven thousand criminals yes from jail and prison and that's they've been doing this for several years now so it was accelerating a trend you cannot imagine i, I bet you a good deal of the riding that you're seeing right see there's a finite amount there's kind of like the schleppers in the street like the schlepper criminals but the ones that are really very harmful and organized and, and, and violent there's a finite number of people like that most people aren't like that and those are the career criminals that come into contact with police. Those are the people arrested. Don't don't be lied to. People that wind up serving time on drugs and firearm charges are the ones doing the murders and every other things. But that's how they get them. That's the, you know they get them on that. So what they did with the coronavirus jailbreak is they said it's low level criminals. Now here's the trick. What they did was they they just looked at what the guy was in jail for on that iteration. So often it would be a parole violation. Right. Ah, parole violation. That's a low-level crime. Right. Yeah, but it was a parole violation on an underlying child sex offense crime. Right. So Cuomo let out a bunch of child sex offenders in um, Monroe County. Uh, that's uh, it's Rochester. Yep. Uh, or third, yeah, Rochester. Yep. Um, you know, so, so this is the America we're headed to. Um, if you are of a certain ilk, you, you could block traffic. You, you know, just just let, let's just take it to the George Floyd thing. You know, at least with Rodney King, the rioting was in response to an actual not, not just the event, but an acquittal. In this case, there's no evidence that justice won't be served. And in fact, right. they swiftly expedited an indictment. Right. And yeah. I think you and I both know. And, and I'm not defending the guy. I mean, it, it was, you know, pending the trial, obviously. But clearly, as it appears, is wrong. You know, he will certainly not get less of a punishment of anyone in a commensurate circumstance, yeah. you know, if the if the victim would have been white or whatever, they'll they'll throw the full thing at him. So justice is being served. Where is the justice for the police shot, um, for yeah. the people pulled out of their vehicles and and beaten in a grisly way? Right. That guy from Dallas we saw him was beaten to death. Yep. Yep. All the stores burnt down after people suffered. The businesses suffered for months. Where is the justice? I'll tell you in Washington and in one other in Philly. Those are two places I saw that. It's probably true elsewhere. They actually um, dropped charges even against the few that. that they arrested. Yeah, I mean, there's no there, justice there. Is, there. No, this is Sodom and Gomorrah, um, and 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 that's what it is. Rights have been flipped on their head, and 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 remember how like everything gets taken to court. The burritos in the ice facility are too cold. They got a lawsuit. They get standing. I'm not kidding. There's actually a real lawsuit yeah. around that. Yeah. Um, they get standing, and like. What happened was with this epidemic, nothing they could do would get a lot like a lawsuit. I mean, like, no way. There's no way they can do that. I mean, we're not talking about, oh, you're violating my rights. You know, usually when we say that conversationally, it's kind of like BS. It's not a real right. Mm -hmm. This is the first time in, in the settlement of our continent that we had such widespread, severe 
protracted violations of the most foundational fundamental yep. rights of life, liberty, That's and right. property. I mean, let's let me let me just say this: the founding was BS. King George did nothing. I mean, the intolerable acts weren't intolerable. They had more freedom than we had before COVID. No, I mean, really, they did. Now, I'm not talking down the founders. I mean, they, they were fundamentally right that at the end of the day, it was still he had that control and he could always come in. And that's why they wanted to nip it in the bud with, with the taxes and everything. But, I mean, if you look at what happened, their lives were free as anything in those colonies. I mean— this this was the most severe violation of rights in the history of settlement of North America. And guess what? The Supreme Court turned down every single case. Yep. Um, they either refused to wow. hear it yep. or ruled against it in the case of the churches uh, in, in yep. California. That's right. So, so I was thinking, all right, look, you know, now this is a time of executive power. The pandemic courts are staying out. No. Every day, illegal aliens got freed. Every day they got their lawsuits. They, this is... Is the perfect embodiment of Sodom and Gomorrah. You, you could not have conjured up a parody that properly reflects the severity of the contortion of rights yeah. that's taking place in the country today. Mm. Daniel Horowitz. Wow. Yeah. Man, I just, I, I think what he's trying to say is that we've become like Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah. And Gomorrah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think yeah, that's, that's what he's trying to say. He's trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel Horowitz, RM Conservative at Twitter, and then your podcast is on The Bla Blaze. The Blaze, Blaze right? Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Hey, someone's got to get his book, too. we got to get his book yeah, on, I'm, on, uh, on this whole judicial uh, stuff. Yeah, that's stolen Sovereignty. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, at Amazon. Wow. More cross-politic coming up tomorrow. You don't want to miss that show. Yep. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. If you have kids, go baptize them. Until tomorrow, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politic. Oh, who's thank coming you guys. tomorrow? That was firecracker. Who's coming tomorrow? George Grant. George Grant. Alrighty. Um, I got I got to run, but uh, yeah. Let, let let me know. Send it to you when it's out. Um. Yep. You wanted me. You got the full version. Hey, hey man. Thanks appreciate so much, you. Daniel. Thank that you, was Daniel. awesome, man. Appreciate you. Really appreciate you. Take care. Bye-bye. Woo! <laughs>